Long, long ago, there was a civilization called Ancient India. Before we go on, our team, the Voyagers, want to welcome you to Season 2 of Unlocked, the Vault of Ancient Civilizations. I'm your host, Haley. Now, please welcome some of the people that you will hear from today. Your other hosts are... Nicole, Emily, and Grace. Now, back to the important stuff. In this civilization, there were very important different landforms, such as rivers, mountains, deltas, plains, oceans, and plateaus. The people were able to use all these important landforms for multiple reasons. Some of the ways people are using the rivers is for water, farming, fishing, and more that you will hear about later on. Now, let's hear from Nicole. The people also had to be careful of where they put their civilizations because of the floods. The text states, archaeologists also found city buildings. They were built on big raised platforms. This could have protected them from flood waters. This means that they are cared for their landforms, food, crops, and houses. They do not want the rivers to flood and ruin where they belong. They also wanted to make sure that they had crops to trade so they could get other things in need. If the floods washed away their homes the crops, and crops, they would have to build a whole new house, which they would have to get new material to build the house. It would probably take a while to get all the materials again. Now to hear from Haley about the rivers. To start talking about the Indus River Valley. They use these rivers to make civilizations. The text states the Indus River Valley civilization came into being because of the Indus River. Important cities came up a lot on the Indus River about 3,300 BC. The people have made the civilizations. This is what proves that the people liked the spot around the river and stayed put and made a civilization there. The people were also using the river in many different ways like we will talk about in the next section. Now to Emily. The Indus River Valley also gave the people water for their crops along with a drinking source. They were able to fish for food and trade the fish for other goods. The river had lots more fish than than the ocean, which gave them a better chance for food and a better chance with another thing to trade. Along with better crops, water for crops, it also gave them green land. They had healthier plants, good water for the crops, and a great food source. Next to Emily and Haley, the ancient Indians used the Indus Valley for many needs, such as using it for water to drink and bath, bathe to get clean, and they also used it for food. The author states many historians think that natural events caused this. Perhaps the movement of the river changed. It could have caused floods. This would have made it hard for them it hard to farm and trade. This shows that the historians did not seem happy about what was going on with the river flooding. This could have caused damage to the land and food and houses. This could also kill some of the species from how bad the flooding went and it could affect how they eat. As you can see, people are not happy about the flooding. Back to Haley with some more river information. The Himalayan River was a great water source. Himalayan rivers are perennial as they are fed by melting snow throughout the year. The Ganges originates at a height of 12,678 feet. As it flows through the Himalayans, it forms steep valleys with steep rock sides caused by the downcutting of the river. The river formed from the melting glaciers. Half the river was clean, the other dirty. 
people were able to bathe in the clean half. Closer at the end of the river, the water starts to mix together, so then the whole river becomes dirty. The people have used this river for fresh water bathing, fishing, and traveling. Now to Emily about the Indian Ocean. The Indian Ocean gave people water for their needs, lots of exploring, and the different food sources. They were also able to use the water for their crops. They were able to use the Indian Ocean to do things they couldn't do before. It allowed them to make a better civilization and have a healthier land. The ocean impacted their civilization by changing the weather. The weather soon turned rainy, which was good for their crops. They also were able to fish for food. Collecting fish gave them food, also another source for trading. The land was healthy, so then animals were attracted and came to their land. Soon people were able to hunt the animals for food and also for trade. They also had plenty of trees around them that, so they could cut the trees for wood. If they had any apple trees or things like that, it, could, it would be another food source. Now to hear from Grace. Ancient India provided a massive variety of advantages to help them. According to the article, it states, the Himalayan mountains provide a home for some of India's rarest animals and plants. The most elusive animal is the snow leopard. Bears and black bugs live lower down the mountains. This proves that the Himalayan mountains had a massive impact on society by providing multiple homes for animals that may be endangered and almost extinct. Due to the mountains now, the animals have a way to access food, water, and more they may need in order for them to survive. As you can see, there are multiple ways the Himalayan mountains help animals for multiple needs. Hi again! As you heard earlier, there are multiple ways for water needs such as drinking water, farming, fishing, traveling, and more. According to the text, it states, they include everything from the Thar Desert in the west to the jungles in the northeast. A fertile area called the Ganges Plain covers much of northern India. It was created from soil that was deposited by rivers running from the Himalaya. As you can see, the soil was created by the rivers that come from the Himalaya Mountains. Thanks to the rivers now, we have a fertile area called the Ganges Plain, which is used for massive amounts of farming and is one of the world's biggest farming areas. Now, thanks to the Ganges Plain, there are more rooms to farm and grow crops. Based on that information, the rivers provide multiple impacts on society with more stuff being able to grow and work with. To wrap this all up, the people in ancient India used the geographical features for many different reasons in many different ways. We also want to thank you for listening to Season 2 of Unlocked, The Vault of Ancient Civilizations by the Ancient Voyagers. Your host today was me, Haley, directed by Nicole, the tech expert was Grace, and lastly, edited by Emily. Information found from Google Voyagers Rivers of India, Countries of the World, India from Nuzella, Early Civilizations in the Indus Valley from Nuzella, and Class Hickside Ice Spy Activity. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye! With all the different religions we have in our world, there has to be some different, possibly strange rules and ways of living, until you take a closer look. How different was it really in ancient times? Well, we have a special guest with us to answer our questions. Today on Unlocked Season 2, The Vault of Ancient Civilizations, you will learn about the religions of ancient India. Hi, I'm your host, Kaylin, of the Researchers of the Next Generation, and welcome back to Unlocked. Today you will hear from a very special guest who has a lot of information on religions 
in ancient India. Here is our guest, Taven. Hi, Taven. Hi, Kevin. It's nice to be here to answer all your questions about India's religion that you have. That's good to hear. What do you have for us today? Today, I will be talking more about Hinduism and Buddhism. That was, that was and still is a very common religion in India. Is there any relation between Buddhism and Hinduism? Yes, they are both common religions in India, but Buddhism is believed to originate from the Hindu religion. How can something like this happen? There can be many possibilities, however, the most likely reason could be from what is called culture diffusion, which is when people travel to other areas and pick up on other religions and start forming new religions as combination of other different religions of their own. Really? I've heard that in Buddhism there is a person called the Buddha. Is he the founder of the religion? And who was he? He was. His name was Siddhartha, a prince who protected his palace because of his father, who wanted him to be a great king one day. He left and saw people hungry and suffering, so he meditated under the tree when the answers came to him. He became the Buddha, which means the enlightened one. He uses his answers and told people how to live their life. Why did he want people to live their life a certain way? He did that to ensure that people would not suffer anymore and live a life of peace. Oh, okay. Now on to Hinduism, what information do you have on that? Well, we know Hinduism is the oldest known religion on earth. We also know Hinduism is polytheistic, which means the belief of one or more gods. Furthermore, Hindus believe in Vishnu. And for the listeners that don't know, what is Vishnu? Vishnu means that life follows cause and effect, or called karma. There are different types of karma. For example, if you are good to others and follow the rules, then you get good karma, and the universe will reward you with something. But if you are bad and don't care for other people, then you will get bad karma, and something will happen, wrong will happen to you. Oh, I understand. Does Buddhism have something like that? It does, except it's a little different because if you follow the eight-step plan, Buddha made called Eightfold Path, and if you follow it, then you are not peace. However, if you don't follow it, you will live in pain and sorrow. This all sounds very unique and unlike any other religion I've heard of. It is, but even though there are more followers in India and not as many in America, people still do live this type of life as long as. We are open-minded and thinking of others. We can always live with peace and solve some of the world's biggest problems together instead of being separated. I think that is a lesson everyone can learn from that on matter, no matter your religion and or beliefs. All right, that wraps up our religion podcast on Unlock Season 2, The Vault of Ancient Civilizations. Thank you, Taven, for spending your time to give us an insight on some of the religions that originate from India and are common and were common in ancient India. Of course, it was my pleasure to be here and leave the listeners with more information than they did before. Great, and a big thank you to the listeners. We hope you can take something from this informational podcast. We got this information from the following sources. The Rise of Hinduism by org.com adapted by Nuzella staff, religion, lead, religion Leaders, Buddha, by Biography.com, Editors and A&E Networks, adapted by Nuzella staff, Video, Five Major World Religions, by John Bellamy, 
directed by Keelan, written by Jordan, edited by Nolan, and read by Keelan. Season 2 Unlocked, The Vault of Ancient Civilizations. Ancient India's Busty Busty's here. This is Danny, your host, and I'm joined by Yusuf, Patty, and Dominic. Our focus for today is the economics of ancient India. Have you ever wondered about ancient India's things like the Silk Road and the uses for resources they got? Well, this is economics for ancient India. You know, ancient India traded for resources that were needed for them that they didn't have. Other countries, civilizations, and cultures had the resources needed for ancient India. You were probably wondering how they found each other and what route they took to get to the place where they bartered or traded. Well, this is the Silk Road route. The Silk Road was a long trade route that connected China to the Far East and Middle East and Europe. This route made it much easier to trade with others. It is named the Silk Road because Silk was the most significant thing that was traded back then. The Emperor of China loved things like artwork, gold, and other metals that had value back then. With the Silk Road, the Emperor could get things he wanted easily and the resources were available to him. The Silk Road wasn't just a way to trade resources. Religion was also spread because of the Silk Road and other trade routes that connected places like Europe and Asia. Marco Polo, who journeyed on the Silk Road, got recipes from the Mongolian Emperor, which also gave the Silk Road a reputation for recipes traded along the Silk Road. Next, Ancient India was able to spread many social, religious, and philosophical ideas just because of the Silk Road. In addition, they learned many different languages and they found new technology. The Silk Road helped the Indians get new material, resources, technology, and great ideas. The Chinese created a new network that was called the Afro-Eurasia. This was developed when the Roman Empire had started. The Chinese silk had helped Romans get luxury goods that they carried from other countries. The Silk Road helped Chinese create their own silk that not only they benefited from, but it was useful for others. The Chinese silk was one of China's greatest accomplishments of which they were proud of. The silk made many gifts and people wanted to design items with them. The Chinese silk was named as the China Shanuka in the ancient times. That's all for today's episode of Season 2 Unlocked, The Vault of Ancient Civilizations. Overall, ancient India had many advancements in terms of economics, especially the Silk Road, because it played a big part in ancient India. Sourced from Trade Goods and Ideas, Traveling the Silk Road Between Asia and Europe by Craig Benjamin, Big History Project, Big History Project, and Class Kick. India Mastery Grid, slide 28, from the Silk Road, directed by Yusuf, tech expert Patty, Dominic, the writer, and your host, Danny, speaker here. Could you imagine what our world would be like without math and dentistry? Hello, and welcome back to Season 2, Unlock the Vault of Ancient Civilizations, and this is my crew. Hi, I'm Aaliyah. I'm Miles. I'm Charlie. I'm Hayden, and this is Mesosci. We have been researching ancient India and its science and technology advancements. Miles will talk about cataract surgery, dentistry, and the spinning wheel. 
Charlie will be talking about ancient Indian math. Leo will talk about ancient Indian astronomy, and I will be talking about the weight scale and measures of ancient Indian. Hi, I will talk about a lot of inventions. First up, cataract surgery. They used a Japamuki Salaka to remove the cataract from view of the eye. This impacts the world today by improving individuals' lives by making their eyesight better. Wow, that's so cool. Tell me about your other two. Next is dentistry. They use woodworking tools such as bow drills to help fix cavities and remove harming or bad teeth. Dentistry today helps relieve pain, opens a variety of food the patient can eat, and it can improve the way people's teeth look. Wow, so interesting. I can't wait to hear about the other about the spinning wheel. This method of mechanically spinning yarn took over the world in 1000 AD. And if they hadn't invented this, we probably would have to hand sew in the modern world instead of having sewing machines. That's useful. Well, that was my last section. Ancient India has a deep history within math. India was one of the first civilizations to use the number zero system, and the ideas for that system quickly spread to the Middle East and China. Oh wow, how does that impact our world today? It impacts our world today by making math easier, because it helps us define the difference between 100 and 10. Amazing. Ancient India was one of the first civilizations to work with negative numbers and difficult equations. Brahma Gupta was one of the first Indians to work with this kind of math. It impacted our world today in a good way because without these negative numbers and difficult equations discoveries, we would not have a way to express numbers below zero in equations that would help us express math. Well, Charlie, who would have known that? One question for you. Do they have anything to do with Vedas? Oh, I am so glad you asked. Around 12,000 BC, ancient India most of the math knowledge was written down in the Vedas, which includes knowledge about the special number system called decimals. And decimals are still used in modern day all the time to express numbers that are between whole numbers. Interesting. Finally, Brahmi numerals had a huge impact on life back then and modern day because they helped Indians and modern day people with more complex math. Thanks, Charlie. The first weighing scales date back to 2400 BC to 1800 BC in the Indus Valley Civilization. What were the scales used for? The weighing scale was used in trades to weigh and compare goods being traded. The first weighing scales were used as balances, with two plates on each side of it. The plates were attached to a beam on a central pole. How did they weigh their, the objects? They put stones on one plate and the object on the other. Oh, wow. Interesting. I know, right? Measurers were also a big help in ancient India. They helped with digging moats, making roads, and making city walls. Needless to say, both inventions were pretty useful back then and even now. Wow, amazing, Kaden.
Ancient India had a big involvement in discovering the Earth's orbit. How did they discover the Earth's orbit? Around 700 BC to 600 AD, it was recorded in the Sira Siddhanta showing that Earth's orbit around the sun was 365.2563627 days. And this is so close to the numbers that scientists have came up with today, which is 365.2563630004 days. And that was only 1.4 off from which ancient Indians came up with a long time ago. I never knew that. Tell me more about ancient Indians astronomy. Ancient India had a big impact on the Big Bang Theory because it was actually suggested by Hindu philosophers thousands of years ago. The Big Bang Theory is about how astronomers explained the way the universe began and the parts of that was suggested by ancient India's thousands upon thousand years ago. Amazing. Thanks, Aaliyah. Well, that's about it for today. Special thanks to my crew, directed by Miles, written by Aaliyah, produced by Charlie, and spoken by Caden. We all helped research our topics. We got our research from these resources. The History of Dentistry, Ancient Origins, 11 Inventions and Discoveries of Science that India gifted to the rest of the world, Dentistry and Why it is a Great Career, Nuzala, Five Ways Ancient India Changed the World with Math, Astronomy, Computer Science, and Mathematics in Ancient India, and Crete. Have a great rest of your day. Mesosire out! The Vault of Ancient Civilizations. I'm your host, Serenity, and we also have Mackenzie, Kyra, and Evan, who will be talking about the culture of ancient India. Did you know that in ancient India, you were put into a caste system and you did not move from the place that you were put in? Hi, this is Mackenzie, and I will be telling you about the hierarchy of ancient India. In ancient India, there was something called the caste system. There are five different main castes you could be put in. The highest place in the caste system you could be put you could be was called the Brahmin, which are the priests and academics. The second highest place you could be was the Kshatriya, which were also known as the warriors and kings. Then there were the also the Vaishya, which were also known as the warriors and kings. Then there were the Sudra, which were commoners, peasants, and servants. And the lowest place you could be put in the caste system were called the untouchables which were the outcasts, the street sweepers, and the latrine cleaners. In the passage, untouchable, the person telling the story is called Hyrish. Hyrish states, yet I do not have a choice of what I am. Another thing Hyrish states is, the life of an untouchable is terrible, since the caste system began, we have never been treated as human. Both these pieces of, ever, of information show what the hierarchy of ancient India was like. This showed that once you were put into a cast, you couldn't leave, and you may have lived a terrible life because your family couldn't move out of that cast. 
Hi, this is Kyra, and I'm going to be talking about the daily life of civilizations. In ancient India, the daily life of the civilizations grew crop and crops, and they did things that not a lot of not a lot of us would do today. In ancient India, it is stated in an article that they grew wheat, barley, rice, chickpeas, apples, dates, and vegetables. This shows that in ancient India, they had to grow crop as a food source for them to eat and possibly trade with other civilizations. In ancient India, they celebrated holidays that meant something special every year. Some of these holidays were Diwali and Hathi. The meaning behind Diwali is Diwali is also a time to think about your life and try to become a better person. This means that Diwali is a holiday celebrated to think about the part of the year that has passed and to think about what you could do to become a better person. Kind of like the holiday New Year's. The meaning behind Ali is Ali represents the coming of spring and triumph of good over evil. This means Holly is a holiday that people celebrate at the beginning of spring and that has, has and that almost every time good conquers Adapted by Newzella staff and smithsonian.com. Adapted by Newzella staff. This podcast was directed. Season 2 of Unlocked, The Vault of Ancient Civilizations, and this is the podcast group, Religions of the Past, and today we are talking about, you guessed it, ancient religions of India. A long time ago, the Indian Empire thrived in success due to its religions. What type of religions did Indians practice? The first religion we are going to be talking about is Hinduism. To understand how Hinduism lasted so long, it is important to know the history and beliefs of Hinduism. Archaeologists say that advanced cultures grew in the Indus Valley between 4000 and 1500 BC. Archaeologists found many items tied to Hinduism in the ruins there. They include statues of gods and goddesses, they also include bathing tanks inside temples and sculptures of people doing yoga. Hinduism is different from other types of religion. No single person started it, like Jesus did with Christianity or Ramad with Islam. There's no single religious book, like the Bible. Also, there is no main group of group of leaders to decide what is right or wrong in Hinduism. Hindus believe in many things such as Vita, Samsara, and Karma. Hindus believed and practiced many things, but several traditions bind them together. Many of these beliefs were written down in a set of scriptures around 13,000 BC known as the Vedas. It is believed that 
that the Vedas are eternal truths written by holy seers. The Vedas say time and life move in a cycle, almost like in a circle. After death, one's soul leaves the body, then it is reborn or reincarnated. The soul returns to earth and then enters a new body. It could enter a body of a person, animal, or even a plant. This consists the cycle of birth and rebirth, is known as samsara. What, what body the soul goes to each time is determined by karma. Karma is the energy of one good, one's good or bad decisions throughout many lives. Righteous and moral conduct, known as dharma, leads to good karma. Over time, these practices were starting to die and be forgotten, but some people still remember. God's Vedic tradition became less commonly worshipped, but, but the Vedic ideas were not forgotten. The ideas of karma and dharma were too popular, especially among members of lower castes to fade away. Next, we are going to be talking about Buddhism. Siddhartha Gamada lived in Nepal sometime between 300 and 500 BC, about 2,300 to 2,500 years ago. He became known as Buddha. Scholars agree that he was a real person, but do not agree about his life. Siddhartha tried to discover the truth about universe, about the universe. He explored different ideas, but did not agree with any of them. He spent a night in a deep meditation, which means he was awake, but his mind was calm. Mind was calm and silent. All the answers became clear. He achieved full aware awareness of the universe, thereby becoming the Buddha. The Buddha means the enlightened one. He was born Siddhartha Gamada about 2,500 years ago in an area that is now modern Nepal. His father was the king and his mother died shortly after giving birth to him. A holy man predicted great things for Siddhartha, whose name means he who achieves his aim. The holy man said he would either be a great king, a military leader, or a religious leader. Siddhartha's father wanted to keep his son from knowing about religion and human hardship, and raised him in a palace built just for him. He got married when he was 16 years old. One day, Siddhartha found out about human suffering and went his way to become an ascetic. The prince did not know much about the world beyond the palace walls. One day, he went out with his chariot driver. He saw a very old man and asked about the man. The chariot driver said that all people grow old. Siddhartha began taking more trips outside his palace. On these trips, he saw a very sick man, a dead person, and an ascetic. An ascetic is someone who does not own anything and lives on very little food and water. The driver explained that the ascetic had given up the world so that he would no longer be afraid of death and suffering. Siddhartha was 29 years old, and the next day he left his kingdom, his wife and baby son, 
to lead an ascetic life. He wanted to end suffering. One day, Siddhartha sat under a Bodhi tree, and after several days, he found out the answer to human suffering. Siddhartha sat under the Bodhi tree. He said he would not get up until he knew the truth and remained there for several days. During his time, he had to overcome Mara, an evil demon. Soon, a picture began forming his mind of everything that had happened in the universe. And Siddhartha finally saw the answer to his question about suffering. At that moment, Siddhartha Gamaya became the Buddha. He got up from his spot under the Bodhi tree and went out to teach others. About 100 miles away, he came across five ascetics. He spoke to them and to others who had gathered around. They became his first followers. Women also joined his community of followers. Wealth, race, gender, and background were not important. Only the desire to reach enlightenment. Thanks for listening. Credits to New Zealand articles, The Rise of Hinduism and Religious Leaders, Buddha. Thanks for listening. This is Brayden. See you next time on our podcast about China.